Hey, what is going on, everybody, and welcome to the College Info Geek Podcast, the internet's best resource for getting ahead as a student, but a terrible resource for learning how to resurrect the napkin industry, because it's dead. Oh, no. We killed it. Did we kill it? We did. In fact, I woke up one morning, and I wrote out a plan. I wrote it out in Microsoft Word, how to kill the napkin industry dot docx. Hmm. I sent that to every millennial on the planet, and we all colluded. We're like a cabal. We Yeah. You know what? And it's all because this guy named Steve runs the napkin industry. I just don't like him. You know what's interesting? I have a job. Goodbye, Steve. Everything millennials are killing or whatever, you know? I just find that I don't care about any of them. No mercy. <laughs> you know, I don't even I don't even look at glance at the obituary. It's what just, else what else are we killing? How come only unimportant things are dying? Like Applebee's and like diamonds. Yeah. Throw your diamonds <laughs> to the sky if you feel the vibe. Duh, I yeah, know that. That's a pretty good song. I know that. Yeah, the diamonds thing. I remember uh reading the article that we're gonna talk about today and it was mentioning like millennials can't buy diamonds, and I'm I'm more like maybe we're just like why buy diamonds? Yeah, I think it's I think it's like both really because like the tradition was like what a month or two of salary to buy an engagement. You know how much cool stuff that's insane we could do with that. Yeah. Like why would I like a I okay listen uh, I'm gonna propose and, and all, but either I could take you around the world a few times, yeah, or I could get you this thing you might just lose. <laughs> It's, it was, meh. Well, in, in the whole, like, traditional, um, I guess, like, knowledge around that seems to break down in light of what people also can't afford these days. Like, maybe back in the 50s or 60s, it would make sense to, say, save up two months' salary to buy a diamond because you already own a house because you paid, like, yeah, $15,000 like like for it or something. Yeah, I'd rather have the And the now house. it's like, uh, yeah, you should save up two months' salary to buy the diamond engagement ring even though you can't make a down payment on a house. It just feels like that. <laughs> I mean, if anything, the down payment feels more romantic. It's like, see, I got us a home. It does. Instead. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a TV show where that happened. And even though that aired like 10 years ago, I'm not going to say what TV show they it is. TV 10 years ago? I think there was. I could have dreamed it. Whoa. <laughs> Technology, man. Anyway, uh, my name is Thomas, and I'm bad at introing podcasts sometimes. Yeah, this, this is not about okay. diamonds. Or... Not about diamonds. It, it might be about diamonds. Maybe. Uh, but I'm here, as always, with my good friend, Martin Baby. <clears throat> who contributes to my distraction. I do. It really only takes like one sentence and then... It's true. And then he's off. It's like a like a race. Look, I've been doing this for... I provide that race pistol. I've been doing this podcast for officially six years. Tom is the, the gotta, chimp riding a horse. You gotta let me... And they always win. ...go off on my tangents. I think like there's been tangents ever since the first episode, so... Yeah. Give me a break. Well, I mean, it's, otherwise it would just be a PowerPoint presentation. I don't want to, like, go through straight-up bullet points and be like, anyway, point three. That's true, yeah. Um, hold on. Let me. Point three A, me, section it's not, two You know, it's C. like if there are two people, I feel like it should be a conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, I noticed the grocery stores are, no, are, like, they have sparkling water, but they also have seltzer water now. Oh, okay. I don't know what the difference is because it's still zero um, calories, zero everything. Does it? It doesn't have anything in there because no. I think maybe it might just be the same thing because I know like sparkling mineral water has like calcium and stuff in it. Mm. So that's different, but I don't know. Well, yeah, this stuff is I've like it's not just specifically like paid attention to whether seltzer truth. meant something differently. I think it's like Kroger brand. It's like a pretty like generic brand, but it, it's fair. a little bit more flavorful than the sparkling waters. That's fair. So I dig it. It's just lo- it's actually just Kool Aid. They're lying to you. <laughs> the I know it says lying. it says simple truth on the front of it, but it's it's a lie. It's That's the si- the simple truth. It's that this is a lie. <laughs> get you a Kool Aid jammer from the cooler before we get started. Delightful. <laughs> I miss them. Uh, so today we're going to talk about burnout, and I did a video about burnout. I think probably three or four years ago, but we haven't talked about it in earnest on this podcast. And uh, there was an article that came out on BuzzFeed News, of all places. And actually, BuzzFeed News BuzzFeed News is actually is a, a pretty pretty decent. It's a pretty rigorous uh, site. It's not, you know, it's not like, I don't It's know. probably funded entirely by dog and cat listicles. I but, think that's kind of what it is. But, like, then they do pretty useful stuff on like BuzzFeed yeah. News. All the money comes from, like, 18 <clears throat> things only people from Maryland will understand. But then, like, they funnel some of the money into, like, more serious writing and journalism. And that's where... Uh, BuzzFeed News comes in. But there's this article that was called How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation. And um, it's kind of a look at specifically, you know, how millennials deal with burnout and how they're kind of almost primed to experience it from a young age, at least from this writer's perspective. 
Uh, I found the article on Twitter and read it on the plane after getting three hours of sleep and then heading off to a business trip, which if mm. that's not the quintessential that's picture fair. of burnout itself, I don't know what it is. Uh, but then you sent it to me, I think, oh, the yeah. same day. No, I saw I saw it. I think <laughs> maybe Jessica Hish retweeted it and I saw it. And then I actually... It w- it's such a long read that I yeah. I used – there's this Amazon extension on Chrome where it sent it to my Kindle. And then I was able to read it like peacefully because I was like, if I'm reading about burnout and also distracted by the fact that this is a computer and I can read my email every three seconds, yep. there's too much irony for me. So I need to send it to it's something true. where I can just read it. Yeah, it's very true. Really think about it. In fact, how long did it take you to read this article? I don't know. At least 10, 10 20 minutes. It, okay. like it was like a full – reading session and also yeah. because it's something i'm thinking about like i'm thinking about yeah. it while i'm re- you're not just scanning through it yeah i mean there's a lot of i wanted to reflect article where you just kind of on sit my there. life it's true yeah there, i mean there are many points <clears throat> in the article where i was like that that's me yeah like i can't can't say i've not felt burnout mm-hmm. a lot all the time yeah, it resonated a lot because yeah. it, you know and we should feel fairly we do things We've done things that we're proud of, mm. where we're fine, we can buy food and whatnot, and yet we still have burnout all the time. And it feels like if you should feel successful, why should you also be able to downplay all of that success to yourself? What's up yeah. with the burnout? Why isn't yeah. it Why isn't it rewarding to be successful still? Yeah, and it was just really interesting reading through this because she, she voiced things that I had never really been able to voice even in my own head. Like... There's been a lot of this, like, oh, you should never feel burnout. You're successful. You've done X, Y, and Z. Like, and you have, you technically have time. You technically yeah. have flexibility. Like, what's the deal here? Um, so we're going to get into this. Uh, and the one thing I noticed at the end of the article, she didn't really uh, mention a whole lot of things that one could do. In fact, I think she sort of kind of like, I don't know, threw shade at a lot of the tactics that people will put out there for getting rid of burnout. Like, oh, you know, a meditation app is not going to solve your problems. Uh, you know, a two-week vacation is not going to solve your problems here. This is a more pervasive kind of like all-encompassing state of being. Yeah, so, so it's like, you will never escape. <laughs> I want yeah. I mean, I, I think she ends the article on a more positive note than that. <laughs> but I do want to see if we can maybe hash out some potential changes that would at least work for us and give people ideas. Yeah. Um, I do want to mention one thing before we get into this discussion. I made an oopsie Last week, oh, which you pointed out to me. This is true. Yes. Uh, so last week's episode was sponsored by Skillshare, and um, we mentioned that I now have a course on Skillshare that's all about building a productivity system. It's kind of like a foundational productivity class. I gave you guys the wrong URL tisk, tisk. for that class. Uh, I think I gave the old URL that used it. I think it offered like a, a two-month free trial for $0.99. Cents. The two-month free trial is supposed to be free. Yeah. Actually, a two-month free trial for that yeah. sense doesn't make any sense. <laughs> That's a trick. Yes. <laughs> they got you. Uh, so I just – I accidentally used the old URL. The new URL, and if you want to get that two-month free trial, is Skillshare.com slash geek. And I think we did put it in the show notes. Yeah. I just if you If you clicked the link instead of typing it in, everywhere you could you have it. clicked the link was was correct. Yeah. So I just wanted to issue that correction just in case you have, like, not signed up already and you were thinking about it. Make sure you actually get the two-month free trial and don't pay the yeah, dollar. Because, like, it's like a dollar, man. I yeah. could buy, like, ten Laffy Taffies. Are is they that, only 10 cents? Is that still true? I don't know if that's still true. I actually doubt that because remember when Top Ramen used to be 10 cents per You're package? right. It's probably not true. It's 25 cents now. Inflation's crazy. Ah, uh, the world. That's, that's a big jump. I can only buy four Top Ramens for a dollar. Instead of 10. How am I going to have my lunch of 13 top ramens? <laughs> well, you're going to need uh, – I don't, I don't want to do the math right I'm now. I'm going to need $3.25. Yeah, and good health insurance. <laughs> Assuming there's no tax so, on food, which I don't think there is. I'm going to die. Unless it's prepared. Yeah, yeah weird I think tax it, like, laws, it like depends. But yeah, um, so Skillshare.com slash geek if you want to sign up. And um, oh, I did want to – I don't know. At at the risk of sounding braggadocious, uh, give people some some – updates on how the course is going so it looks like currently uh 7070 students have at least started the class and we have 363 reviews most of which look pretty good so that's cool yeah um so if you want to take that class if you don't feel like your productivity system is well organized it's well set up then uh, i think that based on the user feedback this is a pretty good course for building that foundation of your productivity or maybe rebuilding it if you've gone for a while and letting it kind of 
get full of entropy and things like that. Uh, but anyway, let's get into this article. <clears throat> so one of the first things that stuck out to me was, and I may have been, it might have been like really far into the article, but she mentioned how one of her friends had said like, I'm struggling to find the Christmas magic this year because the things that used to bring me joy, like taking my kids to go see the lights or doing all these things, like they just seem like tasks now. Everything does seem like tasks, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. And so one of the things the article pointed out is how since the boundary between work and play has been so blurred, especially for people who work for themselves, especially for students who can work at any time, uh, freelancers, of which there are much uh, many more now, because there are fewer jobs to go around. Yeah. It just feels like at any time you could be working. And I guess what I didn't realize was that because of that, or maybe at least in part because of that, everything starts to feel at least somewhat like work. Yeah. Yeah. There's, um, I feel like there's this pressure now to not only to do good in everything, you know, you, obviously you have the pressure to do good in everything, but there's also a pressure to have every facet of your life optimized. Everything is efficient. And this mm. doesn't fly in the face of a productivity system in my mind because a system like that is still incredibly useful for everything. The problem is that now we think literally every single part of everything needs to go into it. Yeah. I, let's put in a reminder to clip my fingernails every – because why not? <laughs> well, just we need to check that off every once in a while. Yep. It's – everything is being managed yeah. in a way that I, – I mean – of course, it's going to lead to burnout to some degree if if every single part of your life feels forced. Yeah. I wonder if, like, um, like being a gamer contributes to this. Oh, yeah. Because when you play games, there's, like, stats for everything in your character, right? You know, you have, like, charisma and your health and all these things. And I don't know, at least for me, it starts to feel like, oh, I can optimize all those things in my own life if only I could quantify them and track them. Yeah, and there's a lot of, like, the, the quantified self or whatever where we, yeah. we all tra- – we all got Fitbits. We, like, track everything we do and we just – yeah. Looking at all these stats, but stats are like they're a, they're symbolic of value. Yeah. But the stats themselves aren't actually right. of value. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that might be a tricky point since we have so many things to look at stat like followers. Yeah, exactly. Or if you know, if I drank six smoothies this week instead of seven, you know, it probably six. doesn't make that big of a difference. My system said I need to drink seven. <laughs> exactly. I'm I missed feel. a day. I'm a failure. <laughs> Start feeling bad about it. But yeah, this was one of the biggest things that stuck out to me in this article, um, and I might have a quote from it at some point. But oh yeah, here yeah, there was. I think this was near the end of the article, but she wrote that the modern millennial, for the most part, views adulthood as a series of actions as opposed to a state of being. Um, and actually, I see she's quoting the Elite Daily article uh, here. And uh, it goes on to say, adulting therefore becomes a verb. To adult is oh, to yeah. complete your to-do how list. How to adult. But everything goes on the list, and the list never ends. It, yeah, everything. And everything yeah, that's goes what it feels on, like. Everything goes on the list. I feel like I have like 18 lists in different places because I'm like, oh, well, this list is too big. I don't want to put this task on the list. It's going to get lost in the list, so I need another list. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I don't know, like, how do you deal with that? Because it does seem like there are so many things you want to do in – like the immediate blocking thought in my mind is, well, you can't let one of these go. It's going to slip through the cracks. See, that's – yeah, that's it's really tricky. Um, I've been trying to work on it recently actually. So, you know, my two-week system I was talking about where yeah. every two weeks I like switch up all the habits I'm doing. I don't switch all of them. But I, I offer myself an opportunity to clear the whole slate and say, yes, I want that one to keep going or that one's done. We're going to replace it with this. Mm-hmm. So this this first part of January, starting out the new year – I actually missed a ton of days because I put too much on there. I tried to keep everything from last time and add several more things. And I was like, (laughs) this is like three hours a day of stuff. And the reason that everything gets forced on there is because I want to control it. We want to control that we accomplish something where like if we write it down, we feel like it's guaranteed that's what we're going to do now because Mm -hmm. I wrote it down and I made a plan. Therefore, I'll follow the plan. It's that easy. Bam, I'm successful. But I feel like it's just so hard to actually stick to that that our plans aren't realistic. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to let go of control, which was very important, okay. actually. I've made so many strides in, like, my OCD work, and a lot of that is also letting go of control. Right. So I have to accept that to some degree I can't even control what I accomplish. I can control where I put my time a little bit, mm-hmm. but – 
I need to accept that some of these tasks that I might put on a list, if I put them off for I, like, I won't notice. It won't make a difference. I'll feel yeah. like I, I messed up, you know. Yeah. But uh, you know, going back to that dumb example, I'll notice when I need to clip my fingernails. I'll figure it out yeah. without the even if I skip a day or two, and I'm like, oh wait, I should really. I don't need the list because we didn't have these lists, you know, yeah. like always. Yeah, I think it's like this this desire to have completeness in your system. Like my system encompasses all. And yeah. you do get this urge to put things on there that may not need you're, to go on there. You're controlling your whole life and therefore your whole life should be perfect. Mm-hmm. But it's, I don't know, I find if I try to control any more than just a few things at once very rigorously, I mean, I just kind of crash and burn. I can't yeah. predict things because then one thing happens. Maybe we have to record at a different time than normal. Yeah. And now I'm like, well, oh, what what do I do? The day's gone. <laughs> yep. I'm confused now. It's been shifted by 15 minutes and now I've, I'm lost. Yeah, what am I going to do? I guess I can't do anything else I plan like, today. We're trying to program ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing that uh, I am uh, I have a tendency to do is – when I sort of get out of a period of high stress where nothing is going right, or I don't know if nothing's going right, but it's, you know, it's very stressful and I feel like my life is just in shambles. I finally get out of that and I get into a very short period of time where I've finally gotten back to zero or at least accomplished a few things and feel good about myself. My brain's immediate first thought is, well, let's add more. Yeah, we can handle it now. Now that we're now that we're cleared out, we could probably handle it now. Yeah, like I got, you know, I got out of the new year uh, or the Christmas season. We did that business trip. I got back. I had like a week here, and I'm like, you know what I should do? I should start a second channel. Yeah, it's, just... <laughs> it's like you know, you don't actually publish a video every single week. You just feel like you did because you maybe maybe got one out. Yeah, or like you you intended to, and then you feel like if you do yeah. it twice, it means that it will work forever. Yeah, exactly. So what I need to remind myself of is uh, that pendulum concept. Like I'm always swinging back and forth in one direction or the other between like chaos and organization or boredom and overwhelm. And uh, just because I've like swung myself out of like overwhelm for a few minutes doesn't mean that like the pendulum's going to stay over here in total like bored, empty land forever. Yeah. Like there's something already coming up that's going to bring me back into the more hectic area. So I should probably think twice about taking on another commitment or adding something else. I feel like to a degree, we almost have to kind of take what we think we should be doing and on purpose, like cut it in half. Yeah. And then just, it'll feel bad. You'll be like, I'm doing nothing. Mm -hmm. But just like, you have to. Because what we feel like we should, there's a lot of should and supposed to, you know, as opposed to just what can I do or what would I like to do? It's like, if I don't do this, I can't view myself as successful. Mm-hmm. This is a part of my identity for some reason. You know, like when I quit my language blog, it was so hard to quit, even though I didn't really want to do it anymore. My hands were messed yeah. up, so it was hard to type, so I couldn't write very well. I wasn't practicing as much for the same reason. My whole life was in shambles because of my hands. You use them a lot. And then it felt so bad to quit still because I was like, but I have to do this. I'm supposed to do this. Right. And that was like a, a guilt thing almost. Yeah, so it was like my like, identity is uh, wrapped up in the fact that I've yeah, committed to this like, thing. I've made my – you know how like – so we got the personal branding thing. It's real big now. It's important mm-hmm. to get it to help get a job, to stand out in the job market. It serves a purpose. But I feel like if we get too wrapped up in it and we market ourselves too much, we start to forget that we're more than just a product. Yeah. Like we I'm only my brand now. I'm not just I'm not a person who mm-hmm. might skip today. I am now my brand. And if I lose my language blog, I've killed my brand, and that means I've killed me. There's actually something about that in in the article. Oh, yeah. About like social media. Yeah. I forgot that. And part. I wonder if I can find it because I I put a lot of things in my notes here. <laughs> but uh, she was talking about how social media kind of like, yeah, it turns you into a product. And then the work of refining that product, refining that brand never really ends. And like there's always this constant mixture between uh, like work and play being represented on our social platforms and things like that. Yeah. And you don't – you feel like you can't stop doing that essentially. No, and then there's the comparison aspect of social media where the problem yes. is, uh, you know, there's always a bigger fish as a wise man once as a said. a wise man once did say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, here it is. Yeah, because she, she had a whole section on social media. And I kind of want to break down like all of the uh, sort of top-level categories that she 
sort of touched on as to why we feel burnout. And I think social media yeah. is definitely one of them. Um, and she said that we all know that what we see on Facebook or Instagram isn't real, but that doesn't mean that we don't judge ourselves against it. I find that millennials are far less jealous of objects or belongings on social media than the holistic experiences represented there. The sort of thing that prompts people to comment, I want your life. That enviable mix of leisure and travel, the accumulation of pets and children, the landscapes inhabited, and the food consumed seems not just desirable, but balanced, satisfied, and unafflicted by burnout. Yeah, because we're is, not we're not like posting a lot of things. We're like, oh, everything. I'm so burned out. Unless yeah. part of your brand is that you just complain. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and like the ironic thing is, I don't know that person like went and experienced that, and in the back of their head, they were just like, I'm gonna put this on Instagram later, and then they're I don't know losing sleep of at night posting about it, photoshopping the picture, yeah, making sure it has the perfect. Well, filter. it's like <laughs> it's like almost like you're trying to interpret your life to yourself. Yeah, your your brand. You're also marketing to you whether mm -hmm. your life is good and justifiable. Yeah, exactly. She also said, uh, "Branding is a fitting word for this work, as it underlies what the millennial self becomes—a product. As in childhood, the work of optimizing that brand blurs whatever boundaries remained between work and play. There's no off the clock when, at all hours, you could be documenting your on-brand experiences or tweeting your on-brand observations." The rise of smartphones makes these behaviors frictionless and thus more pervasive and more standardized. And yeah, like literally at all times. Yeah, at all times. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that has contributed at least in part to my burnout and that's kind of along these lines, because I run a brand and I guess now you run a brand that is sort of based on giving people helpful tips or advice in many areas of life. Whenever I read a nonfiction book, I cannot help but interpret it like every sentence through the lens of like, how can I share this somehow? It's, it's really tough to just sit there and be like, I'm going to read this just for me. You can't turn off the need to uh, bring it in to yeah. the brand because yeah. it could be brought in. Therefore that's mm -hmm. valuable and we can't just avoid value. We need all of it. Yeah. And sometimes I'm able to slip out of this. Like when I read the book about Starbucks earlier, last okay. year, like late last year, I really didn't see a way that I was going to work that into content. So I just read that. And it was actually kind of great. Like I picked up, up off, I picked it up off the shelf and I was like, I don't think I can do anything with this book. Therefore I'm going to read it. Yeah. Like I don't, I mean, maybe I could turn it into some sort of case study or something, but I didn't really want to make a video about Starbucks. So I just thought it was interesting to read, which is cool. But when I read a book, like, I don't know, manage your day to day or something like that, I just can't help but look at every single article like I should make it into some sort of video or commentary or something like that. Yeah. You know? Yeah, or like this article or on like burnout. This very article, yeah. Where it was like, hey, we could turn that into something. <laughs> you know, I think my brain was so tired because I was on the plane and I had gotten four hours of sleep that I really wasn't thinking about how I could use this. I was just reading it and resonating with a lot of it. And yeah, then well, later on, you sent it to me and I was like, mm, maybe we should yeah. do it. Luckily, I was like, this that. feels personally useful enough that mm -hmm. I'm just reading it for me right now. Because I, for, if I figure out how to fix my burnout, yeah. then, I'll, then I can filter that into help somehow. Mm. But first I was like, yeah, but the thing is I'm burned down. So yeah, exactly. I'm going to ignore the potential for an episode. What was one of the main factors that sort of stuck out to you that, for causing burnout? Because we talked about the whole like, standardization and, and to-do listization of everything. And then we talked about social media and like the blurring between work and life and how they yeah. can exacerbate it. But there were some other things. So what's one that stands out to you? So um, in, in the, this article specifically, um, she talked about errand paralysis, where oh, like yeah. you've got these medium effort tasks mm -hmm. and, you know, they, they should probably be done, but they get trapped in to-do lists and they just stay there for like, a long time for weeks, for months, yeah, and they just don't get done because they don't feel important enough to disrupt the mm -hmm. productivity. The I'm, you know, hashtag hustlecrushit.com, yeah, and you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get all my. Here's my side business. Here's my job. Here's anything that could be important. But then it's like, well, I've been meaning to clean out the basement for a while, but I, I think I'll put that on my to-do list so I don't forget it. And then what I'll do is I'll ignore it, <laughs> and then I'll let other similar tasks pile up on the to-do list. I'll keep ignoring them because, well, obviously I need to be working 24-7 or doing on-brand things. And that's not part of my brand, so, like, I'll do it later. Yeah. And now I just feel more and more guilty and, like, ashamed 
as yeah. the list keeps growing. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, God, there are 20 tasks on here, and they all do seem important. But because I've put them on a list rather than just trusting that at some point I will do it when it's really important, mm-hmm. now I'm looking at a list of failure. Yeah. So for me, like, I get this too, but it's less guilt and more my brain is exceptionally well equipped for uh, modeling the different steps and the different dependencies of every task. And the pro- I don't know if exceptionally is the right word because I'm sure everyone can do this. But the problem is because we have these to-do lists, I'll look at mine and then all of those, like I will look at one and extrapolate the many different steps and dependencies and different people I need to talk to. Uh, and look at the next one and see the exact same thing. And that's where it gets overwhelming. That, that makes it terrible, right? And, and that's why I feel like I can't do anything that is like off-brand. Like I would love to write a fiction novel someday. And then my brain goes, yep, you know how much work that is? You got to outline everything. You got to do it like a thousand bazillion pieces of research so people don't think your your novel is unrealistic. You got to go find a publisher, all these things. And if, if I were doing nothing else in my life except that, that would be manageable. But then my brain's like, no, but you also have to move and you have to do your work and you have to, yeah. you know, go hang out with your girlfriend and all these <clears> things. Um, and I think this is what causes the errand paralysis for me. Like, th- I think this is what causes my email inbox to perpetually be full of emails because I'll see one. I'll be like, oh, I want to knock that out. Crap. There's something I got to do for it. Like we uh, we are going to move soon. So I had an email in the inbox from the movers who were like, does this date work? And I want to just be like, yes, that works. Confirm it. Get it off of my plate. Get it out of the email box. Get it on my calendar. And I'm like, wait a minute. Nope. I got to go reserve the loading dock at the apartment complex first to see if that works. Oh, but I'm not home right now. So I need to call them. Oh, they're not answering. And rationally, I should just put that task off for later. But yeah. I really want it off my, t- my my list right now. So that's just causing stress. <laughs> Yeah, I actually I do that I do that a lot too. Where it's because when you extrapolate it all, everything mm-hmm. I spend so much time like simulating, w- picturing myself. Okay, here I'm doing this task, yeah, and then I should have enough time to do this task, and then I've got to do all these little steps. But can I do all of the steps? Let me think about that. What if I did them in a different order? Yep. and then it becomes absurdly overwhelming, and then I just want to finish the one. So even if it's like you need to wait an hour before this is useful, I'm like, okay, I guess I'm Sweet. just gonna wait an hour yeah. rather than just detach and you should move, do, do some, something else do something else yeah mm-hmm. it's just like i'm so i want this one thing done and then i neglected to take into account all the sub steps until i decided yeah. to confuse myself with them yeah and there are days where like i swear i do not waste time on reddit i don't you know goof off and play video games but not a whole lot gets done and i'll be like what were you doing all day and like i have this sort of hard to grasp like wispy idea of what happened And I think it was just like this perpetual train of errands that had dependencies that I couldn't deal with in the moment or that, I don't know, it was like 10 different steps to get something done. I spent my day thinking about doing stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I thought real hard though. I thought real hard about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, And she actually outlined several different reasons why this errand paralysis could happen. So I think this was one of them. Another one was boredom. Because you've done the same thing over and over and over and over again. And really, it just provides zero value compared to your actual work. So you're just like, why do I want to do it now? And I think with that one, you just kind of have to force yourself to do it unless you can delegate it. Yeah. Um, and then there was the one about the uh, the paradox of choice where because we have access to such great information and all these systems, many of our errands – could be optimized, but there is a thousand different decisions to make if you want them to be optimized. Like picking a doctor, you know? Oh, I hate that. You know, that. I think like- you I know, still actually yeah. haven't picked one here. That's because 30 years ago, I, you'd, you'd they call up your uncle and be like, hey, we live in the same town still. Who's your doctor? And they'd tell you, and you'd be, all right, sign me up. And now we're like, well, we need to go on like this doctor review website and, and I'm going to like use a map. What are their specialties? What are the specialties? What are the star reviews? Uh, are these Do they reviews, take my insurance? Do they look fake? And uh, uh, yeah, what's yeah. the proximity to my house? What's the proximity to the house that I'm, you know, planning on moving to in a couple of months? And boom, like you've just created like a oh, six-hour then, then like they that. do take your insurance. They're doing – everything's great. We're not actually seeing new patients right now. <laughs> yeah. you got to start over. <laughs> I'm so mad. <laughs> so there's all these choices. Like even with picking a mover, you know, I've, I've read all these horror stories about movers and uh, – and I didn't, you know, I didn't know how to like 
objectively evaluate them. So I'm just like, how do I pick a mover? And eventually, you know what I did? I just went on Reddit and I just put in like Denver movers and just read a couple of comments and people were like, these people were good. And I just called them up. Well, that, yeah, well, the same thing happens with like, <laughs> okay, well, I think my house would be better if I just like, my vacuum's broke. I need a new vacuum. Well, let me just find out what the number one best <laughs> vacuum in the world is that's never once had a problem. I'm going to read all the reviews and I'm going to get is really this confused. Review tainted by affiliate okay, well, marketing? Okay, well, this one's here. This one's here right now. It's like physically in the store, but it's mm-hmm. it's not as good because it's slight. It's like 10, 10 decibels louder <laughs> than like this <laughs> vacuum, which it also looks nicer. And I feel like it'd be easier to clean. Let me think about this. Oh, this yeah. one person, they had a bad experience with it. Or, oh, it's got BPA. I don't know what that is, but it sounds scary. It probably causes cancer in it, California. It, it, probably everything causes cancer every, everywhere. We're all going to die. <laughs> but just the dumbest stuff. Otherwise, you know, when I, when I was like a teenager, if I needed a vacuum for some reason as a teenager, I don't know why I would need it as a teenager. But I would have just went to the store and been like, that's a vacuum in my price range. I'll buy it. Pick, it's probably good enough, and good enough doesn't seem good enough. We're supposed yeah. to be optimal. Mm-hmm. And this kind of goes back to that whole, um, what's it called, any benefit approach from Deep Work. And he was talking about that in the context of using social media or not. Like, should I use this social media um, tool? And people will say yes, because it has this benefit. So, you know, if there's any benefit whatsoever, then they will use the tool. And his advice is to think about like, what are you losing if you do, if you choose to use this? Like you're fragmenting your attention, you're giving away privacy, all these things. And I think we need to apply that to our errands and the things we buy as well. Like, yes, you get benefit out of going and doing a bunch of research on the best vacuum cleaner. You get some benefit. You may get like a marginally better vacuum cleaner. You may get a marginally better doctor who's like a two minute you know, less of a commute from your house. But what do you lose by spending all that time doing that research? What do you lose in the quest to optimize everything? Yeah. Like you end up with an unoptimized brain. Yeah, and I don't know how many times I've just like, I've done the same thing with kitchen stuff mm-hmm. and I like won't even use it. And I'll be like, I must not be using it because it's not the right one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's get a more complicated one. Get one. Let's get one that's even harder to maintain. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. So we have the, with the error and paralysis, things that are boring, things that cause too many decisions, things that spawn too many decision trees, too many dependencies, things like that in our heads. And I feel like, at least for me, the answer is, you know, accept a little bit of unoptimization. Yeah. I don't know if that's the word to use there, but accept a little bit of imperfection. Yeah. You need to be like an, an, an almost an imperfectionist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another reason, which I don't know if it, if this one is as easy to, I don't know, put a Band-Aid on or create a solution for it. Um, but she kind of points out the fact that, like, millennials in particular are sort of – they were sort of raised with this expectation that you need to optimize everything and kind of always be working, which is – it's kind of funny. It seems to fly in the face of the whole, like, millennials are lazy yeah. mantra that other generations <clears throat> love to throw around. Um and you know what? I What I think it is, is one, there's the whole juvenoia thing. I'm not sure if you've heard that term before, but mm. every generation fears or hates other generations. This is something that That's is documented these whippersnappers have dumb taste in music and they yeah. don't know about Ed, Ed, and Eddie, and I hate them. Exactly, right? Like you, you're exhibiting the signs of juvenoia now. Yeah. Well, Ed, Ed, and Eddie's a great show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's that. And I think like the fact that we have mass media now just gives people from the previous generation all the more opportunities to see, I don't know, news reports about people who are being lazy. Like, oh, I'm Well, those suing, news reports become yeah, big because of Yeah, I'm suing my dad that. for not paying for my Harvard right? education or something like, like that. Like, it creates outrage. But I think that just like in the previous generation, there are plenty of people in this generation who are working really, really hard, trying to optimize everything. And the difference, uh, and she points this out here, is that we've had to go through some um, some financial crises, like early in our, our lives that sort of like, formed right, the Right as we were about what, to get jobs and exactly, stuff. Exactly, right? Uh, so you and I, like we were probably a little too young to really feel the effects of the dot-com crash in 2000. But we graduated high school in 2009 which was right in the aftermath of the 2008 financial crisis. I don't know how that affected you, but my dad lost his job from that. A lot of people I knew lost their jobs from that. And I remember counting myself lucky that I wasn't graduating college that year 
I was graduating high yeah, school like and I was going good. to college, but there there wasn't like this comforting thought in my head that oh everything's going to recover and it's going to be fine. I mean that kind of did happen at least in terms of like the markets. Um, but my thought going into college was oh. I'm going to have to claw and scrape and fight my way to get a job. I'm going to have to be as competitive as I possibly can be. I'm going to have to do all the extracurriculars, yeah. have all the part-time jobs and internships, do all the AP classes. Otherwise, people are going to outwork me and outcompete me. Yeah, well, that's why the personal branding thing is so mm-hmm. important now and why I made a love letter site to get my first job out of college because it's it's like here's the thing. I need to crush all the competition because otherwise I don't know mm-hmm. what I'm going to do. Yeah. And so like when, when that's, that's your formative years, then that kind of becomes your just <clears throat> default state of being. If at least if you're like, I don't know, an ambitious person, I think most people listening to this podcast are. Yeah, that, that would so, make sense. I feel like there should be some sort of a bias for listeners of this to be yeah relatively ambitious. Yeah, exactly. So that's another part of it. Um, I don't know if there's a whole lot we can do about that. Like, those are formative years. You know, I still kind of feel like that even though I had a realization when I got out of college or maybe when I got, you know what? Not even, not even out of college. Um, I have a specific moment where this was crystallized in my head that I was wrong about this feeling that I'd have to work and compete just to get any job. I remember being in my, um, I think this was my junior year MIS class. This was like really getting into the thick of the MIS program. And the first day of class, we all sat down and the professor said, all right, I want you to go around the room, raise your hand, tell your name. Uh, I think it was like, tell one interesting fact about yourself or, or what year you were. And then uh, how much IT or MIS experience you have. Mm, yeah. And, you know, I may have, no, nah, this is my junior year. Yeah. So I had my internship. I had had my on-campus job at the web development department. I had my freelance web development. I had my on-campus job at the, the IT services department fixing people's computers, removing viruses. So I was able to say all that. And then um, there were many, many seniors who raised their hand and said, no experience. Yeah, I actually, that happened in one of my classes too. And I, and I felt dumb because I was like, I have an associate's degree in networking administration. <laughs> but then like, since I didn't, I expected everybody to have things. Yeah. And then I was like, well, now I feel like I'm showing off, but I'm just like, a, I mean, I just went to community college. I'm not trying to show off. It's mm-hmm. just, I didn't know. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're the kind of person who feels like you have to claw and scrape and do all these things, um, I feel like eventually you get to this realization that not everyone's like that. You're probably already but you don't take it going as to do ex- better. You don't take it as like a, as permission to slow down. No, you can't slow down. Uh, I mean, maybe in your case too, but for me, I just tend to look to the people who are still hyper-competitive and you just change your me. competition. Ex- yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I'll just go follow all the Gary V's and people like yeah, that. I'll just, I'll nice beat stats. the next level. <laughs> you know, so you, yeah, you realize, oh, wow, I've actually kind of gotten ahead. And, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's healthy to remain competitive, but I don't know if it's healthy to always remain competitive like that, like literally 100% of the time. I at least think it's probably not healthy to have your internal value so wrapped up yeah. in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should true. be able to be competitive, but at the same time, not care about. I feel like every sort of hobby, anything we do, feels mm-hmm. like it has to be justified. Yeah. Um, you know, there's actually a Mark Manson article uh, called Screw Finding Your Passion that I read quite a while ago. Okay. But there's in the beginning, he's talking about how, like, you're a kid, right? A little kid. And they're like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to play baseball. Or I'm going to put crickets in a basket and I'm going to watch them for no reason. And then one day they're just like, I don't like baseball anymore. Then they just stop. Yeah. But at no point do they, like like we might do now, sit down and say, okay, what are the comparative benefits and uh, drawbacks <laughs> of baseball on my future for the next like 80 years mm-hmm. of my life? What might happen if I take this choice? Because I could be starting art right now. It'd be a good time. I'd have a lot of years ahead of me to get ready for it. And why am I catching crickets? That doesn't do anything. Yeah. What am I doing? Am I going to be an entomologist? Maybe I should consider a career in entomology. I'll do the research. Like, they don't care. They're kids. They just do things. Mm-hmm. And then they just do things they want, and then they don't do things when they don't care anymore. Yeah. But we're like, I need to justify it. Every hobby I have needs to become part of my brand. What is the side project that I'm doing with my hobby? Am I doing enough with my photography right now? Is it bad that I'm not <laughs> posting daily? It might be. Yep. Am I? Do I need to do something professionally with piano to justify that I like piano? What? 
what do I need to do to make this a part of a brand that can make me successful somehow? That yeah, that one that one bugs me. It's like, but but what if I just did stuff that like didn't matter? And mm-hmm. and that's why I loved the uh, little like I did a little woodblock printing thing mm-hmm. of like a trico for no reason. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do anything with woodblock printing, but there was still a part of me that thought maybe I could do something cool for like a craft fair or something. Yeah. But when I just did it that first time, just for fun, I was like, what is this feeling? I'm not, this isn't working in any sense that I'm aware of. <laughs> I, I have not figured out how to define this as work to me. Yep. Yeah. And that, that's something that bugs me with um, the singing and the guitar playing. Like I love doing both of them, but there's still like this little pressure in the back of my head. It's like, well, what you should do yeah, is what you should. make an album and uh, not just so you can put an album out into the world and share your art with the world for the joy of playing music. No, 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 no. How cool would it be if you were a productivity guru and a musician? Well, that would make your brand look so much you would more stand multifaceted. Out. Yeah. That'd be brilliant. You could get a lot of followers, and then the symbolic value of the followers could be more important than the inherent value of your art. Yeah. And that would be cool, right? That one stung. <laughs> I actually haven't really thought about those words, but the way you just put it right now, that's that actually kind of stings. Yeah, well, that's like why this whole topic meant so much because so much of it was like, oh, I don't like to think I'm burned out. I want to think I'm ambitious. But yeah. it occurs to me that actually I am falling into the same trap as a lot of people, mm-hmm. successful or not. I'm not – because we all think, well, listen – you shouldn't focus on too many goals at a time, friend. I want you to do one thing you're really passionate about. You'll do so good. Now, I'm going to go over here. I'm going to hide in my corner. I'm doing three things. Yeah. I'm not going to tell him because only I'm good enough to do three things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of devious because you, you convince yourself that you are not one of those people who's either allowed to have it or you are immune to it somehow. Yeah, we're special. Um, which is kind of like the actual definition of burnout. So she put the definition of burnout in here. Um, She said that it was first recognized as a psychological diagnosis in 1974 by the psychologist Herbert Frudenberger, maybe? Frudenberger? Sounds like a good burger. Uh, He applied it to cases of physical or mental collapse caused by overwork or stress. Um, Burnout is of a substantively different category than exhaustion, although it's related. Exhaustion means going to the point where you can't go any further. Burnout means reaching the point and then pushing yourself to keep going, whether for days or weeks or years, which I think that's kind of yeah. what she said she had been doing. Like I've reached that point where I should be exhausted, but no, no, I don't I'm too, I'm too good for exhaustion. Yeah. I'm too good for that. I'm just gonna, you know, and I don't think it ever, well, maybe it causes like an actual psychological collapse at some point, but I think for most people it just causes this perpetual state of exhaustion and chronic stress. Yeah, it's like a like a numbness to you don't care about anything, but mm-hmm. you, you're supposed to do it anyway, so you become a robot to your Yeah. And I guess like the devious part of it is in many cases it isn't bad enough to make you horribly depressed. It isn't bad enough to make you fail everything. It just ironically puts you in a non optimal state of living. In trying to optimize everything in your life, you become constantly operating this like low level of bad stress where you have all the balls in the air, but you're just like sweating and and like, you know, just like <laughs> dreading every single moment while you throw the next ball up and catch the next one. Yeah. <laughs> everything could go wrong. And since you care about every little thing, mm-hmm. it's guaranteed that something will go wrong because you've decided 100% is what you're aiming for. Yeah. And I think, like, at least, I don't know, for me, um, the answer in my head is, okay, well, this is what I'm doing now, and, yeah, it's not optimal, but all I got to do is throw the next ball up because, like, that. once I do that, then I will get through it. But yeah. you're, like, in a perpetual yeah. state of being in that. This is the obstacle. Kind of like how you said, um, like, the, the really devious thing with OCD is, like, it's it's the disease of doubt, so you can logic – your way through it oh, all you want. but if want, there's like the 0.5% chance. Yeah, there's one little tiny thing. You're just like, but it, what if I'm convincing myself of this incorrectly? Oh, placebo things are so... Un- there was actually like a week where I was so... Fr- I was freaking out because I was convinced that I must not actually have OCD. What if I'm just really dramatic? Yeah. And then I went back to, to like the therapist and I was like, what if I'm just faking it? And he was like, what? 
you sound like most of my patients, actually. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, this is ironic. I don't know how to internalize this. Mm -hmm. But it's just there's so much stuff to be unsure of when you're trying to be sure of every single facet of your life. You just can't be. We have to let go of control. We have to cede control. And maybe it hurts our brand that we're not going to be the best at every single thing in the world and have Mm -hmm. full control over everything. But, I mean, we already know that social media is misrepresenting it. Nobody has full control. Yeah. But then we just say, yeah, but they may not have full control, but I'm going to be the one who looks like they have full control, and they do. Yeah. You know that tendency of people to ascribe their own mistakes to circumstance and then the mistakes of others to character defects? Yeah. Um, So, for example, for the listeners, like if I make a mistake, I might say it was because I was very tired. You know, I didn't get a whole lot of sleep last night. Um, The person next to me jostled me. I was stressed out. I didn't notice what was happening. Or you see somebody else make the same mistake and you're just like, well, they're careless. Yeah. They're just uncaring. They don't care. Well, I occasionally take a left turn at the wrong time, but other people are just the worst drivers I've ever seen in my life. Exactly. It's kind of funny how people like to say everyone's a bad driver. Like if everyone was a bad driver, you would literally be seeing everyone on the road make a mistake all the time. Yeah. But no, you probably see one person make a mistake when you have passed 1,500 cars on your way to your <laughs> yeah. destination. And so it's, you know, less than 1%. Well, I'm the only good one, actually. <laughs> yeah, also, I love how people like to think they're good drivers, but they're usually never put in a situation where you would actually need to use, like, real skill. Yeah. Like, you know, you're not usually, like, dodging cones or potholes on the road that much. Like, it's usually just a straight line. There's some lanes. You know, maybe there's someone in your blind spot. You got to remember to check that. But that's that's a far cry from, I don't know, having to drift around a slick corner or Ooh, like well, drive actually, on ice. Well, then I get to feel like a good driver <laughs> because I had to successfully stop us from flipping off of an interstate exit. And I did. You did do that. That's true. Um, but to go back to that whole thought about the character defects versus, uh, you know, circumstances, I think this also um, is the justification we use for our own burnout tendencies we think that, oh, somebody else may not be able to handle it because of their character. I have different character. I can push through this. I'm just dealing with something specific right now that's really stressful. But I'll get through it, and then everything will be fine. I don't have to change anything. I just need to work harder. Yeah, but then obviously another thing is going to show up. Yeah. Like you're going to have two days where you're like, life is perfect, isn't it? Mm -hmm. I'm amazing. (laughs) Bam, snap the tip of your finger in half. What are you going to do now? The next month you can't use it. Exactly, yeah. What are you going to do? Oh, no. So I don't know. Were there any other main points that she brought up? I mean, I think like the whole, like the way we were raised to optimize everything is kind of like the the main part of it. Yeah. Um, Combined with the fact that things, I mean, in many ways haven't gotten better. Like people have so much more student debt now. I yeah. think that was one yeah, of the main I will, things she I will brought say up. that is, is like, not encouraging. You know, yeah, one of the main things she brought up is to get, um, like, the optimal job. Oh, yeah, that's one thing I wanted to mention. She she mentioned, like, millennials have this intense pressure to get this optimal job, which has three main categories, something that, um, you know, reflects well on their parents, that will impress their peers, and that is work that they're passionate about, which obviously is a very esoteric It's got to be the best thing ever. Concept, and it's very hard to grasp and actually find something because who knows what they're passionate about. Um, and, you know, we, we all feel like we have to find that immediately after college. Otherwise, we failed. And she was talking about people who were in the previous generation who would just, like, go work on a dude ranch for a while after college or go babysit and just, like, make minimum wage because they felt that, you know, I've got the credential. Eventually, the cool job is going to come around. But for now, I'm just doing this thing. And I don't know if that's pe- how people actually felt back then, but I certainly never felt like that. No, I've, I felt I've like never felt I like got to have the fulfilling, high-paying thing right now because if I don't, I'm going to go into an interview someday and they're going to look at my resume and they're going to be like, what are all these crappy jobs doing on here? Are you a job hopper? I feel like we're trying – there's like we're trying to fast forward through all the parts that we're not proud of. Yeah. The parts that don't work for our brand, we just think we can – we want to skip over them because I should be able to spend all of my life in that final end state where I've reached perfection at everything. And then yeah. I just kind of like enjoy it. Yeah. For the, <laughs> that's it. I'm done now. I, I retire from having to worry because I'm perfect at everything at, in my 20s and it will stay like that forever. Whereas mm-hmm. like why do you think you're going to reach the end – your end like state of being good at whatever you're doing and mastery and everything – 
you know, Da Vinci was painting until he died and still yeah. wasn't finished and would still have improved if he had another 40 years to learn. Mm-hmm. We're, we're like, I'm going to be an expert right this second. That's so stay that way forever. I mean, it's it's no secret that I am a fan of Gary Vee for the most part. There are some criticisms I could level at him, but one of the things I really like is when someone will ask him, like, is it too late for me to become an entrepreneur or start my own business or try something out? And regardless of how old the person is, like, I think he's been asked this by, like, a 55-year-old person, and he's just like, you're so young. Are you? Like, you're so young. Are you have you time. literally on your deathbed? Mm-hmm. Like... And I remember, like, he was get, he was asked by a college kid. There was, like, a little clip of this college kid being like, you know, I feel like, you know, I had to take an extra year. I was in five years. Now I'm, like, 22. Am I too late to start a business? And he's like, you, you could just screw around for eight years. You could waste your 20s, and then you could wake up in your 30s with nothing, and you still have, like, 40 years before you're 70. Yeah. Like, think about that. You have time. Yeah, and that's, like, what, double your college, you know? Yeah. and it, You could waste. And, like... I say this at the risk of somebody taking it as an excuse to like just totally slack off, which is not my oh, intention time's here. faster than you think. I wouldn't you know? procrastinate your life. I think like everything we're, we're aiming for here is like balance, right? Not an excuse to just do nothing. Perfectly but, balanced. Yeah, as all things should be. <laughs> yeah, be like Thanos, but without the edginess and the yeah. the lack of realization that an infinity gem could just create more food. But what, yeah, I'm not trying to say that we should all slack off. What I'm trying to say is that this sort of rush to optimize everything now, 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 and to to keep up with all of our peers in social media, who, for the record, are only, you know, doing the one thing they're showing. We end up seeing the collective, like Bob got a house, Jenny went on a vacation, and like Chris got a promotion. we want all three. So we're like, well, if we don't get all three, we're failures. Like, uh, well, well, Bob didn't get the promotion, and he hasn't been on vacation for like six years, you know? He yeah. might have gotten the house, but he put out a 3% down payment. Now his mortgage is like half of his take-home pay, and he's super stressed. He doesn't want to talk about he being didn't put house that, broke. He didn't put that on Instagram. He's, you know? So we, we feel this intense pressure to be like the best parts of everyone else that they choose to broadcast and to be like that now. Well, and then we see people that are like younger than us, and they're yeah. so much more successful. <laughs> but the pro- And we feel like there are so many of them, but... Yeah, that's man, only be- that's like only because 23? I don't know every twenty three year old. My sample set is literally only the ones that did something notable for me to notice them in the first place. Yeah. So it's a one hundred percent successful enough for me to notice a sample. That's terrible statistics. Yeah. There are true. a lot of twenty three year olds I've never heard of. That's very true. I could at least you know I could Google it. I find three twenty three year olds I don't know right now at least. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the the classic like Bayesian equation of like um, like cancer testing. Like to figure out like, oh, you know, is a diagnosis actually real or is it a false positive? And you have to realize that like for every test, there's, you know, there's like a billion people who didn't even take the test. Yeah. So that factors into the statistics. You know, for every one case you see, there's like a billion other people in that same demographic that you just never saw. Yeah. So we only see what was impressive enough for us to see on social media. We mm-hmm. don't we're not going to follow a bunch of accounts that are like worse off than us just so we can feel good. And yeah. I, at least I hope not because that seems like a terribly <laughs> petty way to live your life. It does seem really petty. <laughs> I'm only following people who are less successful. Yeah, that seems that seems awful. Okay, so uh, we've kind of gone through this article. I highly recommend that people go read it. Um, she ends the article basically saying like she's thought of some things that may help her, but she she doesn't have like any action items, any bullet points. Like here's what you got to do. You got to meditate every day. Which, again, is another to-do I mean, list item. Oh, yeah. If you turn meditation into a to-do, you're ironically kind of... Yeah, I'm like, I'm skeptical about the Killing a lot way, of the beauty of meditation. I'm skeptical about the way that a lot of people use meditation. I don't think that meditation itself is like BS. Because, like, obviously you get yeah, a lot of benefit I, from I, it. I love meditating, but only when I don't force it. Right. Matt will say... Matt, like, Matt hates meditation. He thinks it's total BS. I think I'm more in the middle where, like, meditation is a very useful practice, but... What most people do is they'll get an app and they'll be like, all right, well, I got to do this every day at 8 a.m. for five minutes and I got to check it off. And like ironically, this creates well, more stress you, to optimize When you your look life. at like that, the string of check marks, you're like, man, I must have been really calm this week. <laughs> like you're, you're, <laughs> yeah, pre- you're prescribing what you should have <laughs> felt based on statistics yeah, exactly. rather than accepting. Actually, you know what? What's weird? I didn't actually feel that calm this week. Yeah. So rather than forcing myself to meditate, I would rather 
you know, try to build a life that is more calm in general. Like, yeah. And this is the thing that I want. And I don't know if I'll be able to get it anytime soon, but I want a life where I can engage in an activity without this constant nagging thought about what the next activity is. Yeah. Because what this creates is this sort of low-level anxiety about how long the current activity is taking. It takes me out of the moment, and I'm just thinking about the next thing, you know? Even when it's fun things. You know, I'll, I'll be playing a game, and I'm like, you know what? I actually told myself I was going to play this game for, like, two hours with a friend, and then I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm still going to get some emails done later, even though it's already 6 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's that's stupid. I should just play the game, or I should just go for the walk and not care how long it takes. And... I suppose one of the things I'm going to have to do to enable that sort of life is to dial back on the things I'm doing so everything that I'm doing is achievable without constantly stressing out about how long it's all taking. Yeah. Present-mindedness brings joy, but when we have so much stuff on our plate that we're worried about, we're always worried about the future. We're never actually here in the present because our Mm to-do list shows us the future that we think is going to be the future. Mm -hmm. And And, and that's usually not not fun. Um, you know, that to-do list is actually never the future. Oh, um, actually, how we've been doing this for a while, right? How long is What's this going? Podcast? There are a couple things. There are just a couple videos, actually, that I want to point out. Yeah. That, uh, John and Hank Green both did videos kind of in response to this article almost. Mm-hmm. Hank Green's was about um, – it's on the Vlogbrothers channel. Okay. But Hank's was kind of about trying to figure out what exactly is burnout, and, and I think he mentioned the idea that it could be – when you've run out of fuel or when you have fuel, but you don't have the capacity to use it. So like I'm really ambitious, but I don't have time or my fingers don't work, so I can't do what I want. Or mm. I'm forcing myself to do things I thought I wanted past the point that I wanted, and now it's just a to-do. Yeah. And then John responded because that's how Vlogbrothers works, and he talked about the type of fuel you use where there was a time in his life where you used resentment as a fuel. And I can't say that I don't do that. I've done that. I've done it a lot. Resentment against the, you know, the me against the world thing yeah. that is so prevalent in the hip hop I grew up with. And, uh, but it turns out that he doesn't make things he's proud of when that's the fuel. He works effect- e- efficiently, mm. but not like effectively. Yeah. So we may also want to consider what is motivating you to do the thing that you feel overwhelmed by? Is it a sense of like resentment? Like I'm going to succeed because I hate things. Yeah. Or are you just chasing like curiosity and it's yeah I think the, it's, the it's videos are both interesting and, and I would recommend them it's interesting like I'm I'm working on a video right now um, just about like note taking apps and I've had this sort of realization kind of like boiling at a low level in the back of my mind for a while that a lot of my writing isn't as I don't know flippant or creative or fun as it used to be or like I used to come up with really interesting prose um, so I'm, I'm just like prepping for this note taking article and I'm like, well, if I want to make a note taking video or article, I've got to have like B roll of the note taking apps and I got to have content in there. And the content that goes in there seems like so inconsequential that I'm just writing whatever I want. And it's all so stupid, but I, I'm like in writing, I'm realizing like these, these are actually pretty like creative inventive sentences, <laughs> you know, because again, the fuel I'm using to make them the reason I'm doing it is different instead of like, Oh, I'm making this because I need to put it out to an audience and it has to be this polished product. I'm like, I'm making this because I just need some stupid filler and yeah. taking app and Oh look, it's actually kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. There's less pressure and it actually, yeah. actually, especially the things that are on brand. Mm-hmm. So like I'm working on a, like a language article and because I feel like languages are a part of like my brand, yeah. there's so much more pressure yeah. to write like the perfect thing than there would be if I was supposed to write an article on my favorite Pez dispenser. Yep. Which would, I would just be like, okay, I'll just, I'll just do that later. It'd be a Wario but, one, right? So, yeah, definitely would not be a Wario <laughs> one. It would be Waluigi for life with a Y, <laughs> with the number four, clearly. Of and course. then, um, so basically we build up these brands, and then we ironically hurt our own progress in the things that we've branded ourselves around yeah. because now it's the, such a high pressure. You can't perform the same anymore. Mm, it's like protectionism. And then you feel yeah. even worse because you're failing at your chosen brand because it's your chosen brand, and there's a weird cyclical, <laughs> like, it's... You're like, what got you there was, like, not caring. Yeah. And, and then, like, you start to care, and it just makes you... There's so much effective. pressure. Oh, I, in one of the videos, I can't remember which one. I think it was Hank's, but... 
one of the videos that was talking about like your first million view video. Mm-hmm. It feels amazing. That can fuel you for a while. But the 20th million view video doesn't matter really. Nope. But it has the same amount of effort and the same amount of expectation placed upon you. So like yeah. because it becomes sort of a part of your brand that you succeed at these things, it becomes harder and harder to do it. And it's, le- it's less rewarding with the same work. And you just yeah, have that to, makes a lot of sense. You have to keep it going. And the audience expectations are still there. There's been this thing in my head where I'm like, I've made, you know, 145 videos, probably more. Why is it not just stupidly easy to go in front of the camera and say exactly what needs to be said? Like, it's still hard. And some days it's even harder. In fact, with the last video I filmed, I got to a point where... Uh, I mean, you've been in the room filming with me. Yeah. Where sometimes I'll just screw up take after take after take. Sometimes I'll, yeah, just I'll like, screw up just on the like first a, word. Yeah, like a single like, no, single that. word, like 10 times, just because the pressure's so... So I, I experienced something I've never experienced before where I would I was staring at the camera lens and I literally, I couldn't even start saying the line. Yeah. And then I'd walk away from the camera and I'd say it perfectly, just blah, 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 whatever. Get back in front of the camera and it's like my brain <clears> would not let me say the line. And it would take like a good, like, I don't know, 10 seconds to like s- just say it. And I, that really puts that into perspective. Yeah, like you've done the thing so many times and you come to expect the same like result, but it's not, the, the reward is different and you're doing it for maybe different reasons now. And you feel like every single element must be optimized and must be better than the last time. Yeah, like that excitement is what brought you through it the first few times, mm-hmm. but now it's only pressure yeah. and expectation. And you've got, you know, before you didn't have anything to lose so you throw out everything. And this is how most like musicians have the yeah. first sever- first two or three albums are their greatest work because they got nothing to lose. Yep. And then later they're like, "Well, I have to like market test this and <laughs> yeah. Because if I put out something and it doesn't sell well, it'll hurt my reputation and it'll just uh, blah, I'm losing so much potential and mm-hmm. where's the where's the love? It's not there. Now it's purely pressure and expectation and business and Yeah. It becomes exactly. nothing but work as opposed to something that you enjoyed that was also a way of working. Yeah. The excitement gets replaced by expectation. Yeah. That's a great distillation of a lot of what I've felt for a while now. You know, and I, I don't know I don't know how to get out of it. No, I don't know the solution to all this yet, but that's why this is such a cool topic, I thought, because yeah. it applies also to just like us. We don't know the answers right away. We we I need to we need answer. to figure it out. We need to work on it, just like yeah. everybody listening to this. Because there's always um, other considerations, you know. If if I purely just wanted excitement, I could go off and pursue excitement to my heart's content. Yeah. But like the work I do serves a purpose. It helps people. Uh, it pays my bills. I it like pays paying bills. The bills of the people that work with me. Like it's not just me anymore. There's a team. My girlfriend's livelihood is dependent on it. There's like a lot of things there. So. There, there has to be some sort of middle path, and that's hard to find. Yeah, I don't, know? I don't know what it is yet. I'm trying out. I mean, this, this two weeks, I'm gonna try having borderline nothing, like exercise. Okay. And I'm not sure, but I, I want to kind of cut back the ones that were supposed to be hobbies and see what it's like if I just don't have a checkbox for them. Will I yeah. just do them because they looked fun? Yeah. Maybe, but I can't know if I don't try. And if I'm so afraid of wasting the next two weeks that I won't try then how could I ever know maybe that was the answer? Maybe mm-hmm. less pressure, however we can get it. But it's so hard. Yeah. I, I guess, like, the the idea that is sticking out of my head, and I'm just going to say it because I don't know if it's the optimal idea, and maybe that's the best the best thing for me, like, to not know exactly what to put yeah, out yeah, there. Yeah, yeah, you can't know. You just have to go with something. Um, you know, the thing that sticks out of my head is I have to – carve out time for things that are exciting it's it's very tempting because everything has a reward it's like playing monster hunter and seeing that board of like all the hunts you can do like there's all, all of them have rewards there's all, all those and good. then you can go over to the little research station you'd be like well i can also like collect a bunch of jaggers poop and like all these things like all these errands you could do there's all of them have rewards but if everything you're doing is pursuing a reward that doesn't tie into the excitement of discovering something new or doing something just for the love of doing it, then again, you are that person like the juggler just keeping all the balls in the air. It all looks great on paper, 
but the engine that's running it is constantly under this strain that can't be there forever. Yeah, you're trying to get all the achievements, but you don't even like playing the game anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like a great example. One, or I guess you noticed that I don't post on Instagram as much as I used to. Like it used to be daily, and now it's like once once or two, every two weeks or something. Oh like yeah, that. I've, I haven't posted a photo since you know? like the 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 first week, and I have nothing. I've taken nothing. And you know what? For the most part, I haven't cared too much. Um, but my Skillshare course launched, and I made a post about it, and it, it was like my most liked picture ever, which was interesting and kind of cool. Um, it generated sales, which was actually pretty great. But there was a part of me that's like, you know what? If you would have been posting daily for the past couple <laughs> of months, you would have more followers, and you would have had more sales, and you would have made more money. And let's come up with like, a publishing schedule. Exactly. Like the, the the brain just loves to like latch onto something that's that's concrete. Like you could have done better. You could have had a, a green percentage thing number in the spreadsheet but you didn't i like green but you know what like i didn't think of the time there were things that i was able to do because i wasn't posting every day that i wouldn't have been able to do if i had been so maybe you know if you're listening to this and it resonates with you just try to remind yourself even on a daily basis maybe even write it down what am i losing out on by optimizing everything or trying to optimize everything yeah. Do I have that ability to pursue <clears throat> something that excites me? And anytime I'm thinking about taking something else on, am I going to be sacrificing that? And maybe maybe figure that out specifically like, okay, I want to do this. Here's here's something I really want to work on for the next 2 weeks, two, month or so. What part of my life am I going to neglect mm-hmm. while I get good at this because you will neglect something. So maybe think about it in advance or fall to despair as you neglect random things (laughs) and you can't predict the consequences. Yeah, exactly. We can't 100% at all. Yeah, we can't 100% at all. That's, I think that's a good place to end. Yeah. You know? I mean, I'm going to spend the next little bit just thinking about this. I got to try to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So this is episode 247 which means that if you go over to cigpodcast.com slash 247, you can find the show notes for this episode. And within the show notes, we're going to be linking to this uh, this article, How Millennials Became the Burnout Generation. I highly recommend reading it. Um, I think it's a, it's a great read, honestly. Oh, I, I enjoyed it. Yep, that'll make you think. And I know there was a few other articles that you had mentioned. Uh, a couple, least a couple of Log Brothers videos, That's an article right. from Mark Manson on yeah. screw finding your passion. Those will be linked. Yeah, so we'll put that in there. I know I also did a video about how the, the whole find your passion idea is kind of flawed. Yeah. So maybe we'll include that, that seems, as well. That seems, uh, I can't think of the word right now. I think it's no just relevant. like why find your passion is bad advice or something like that. Yeah. It's close to that. Uh, that's very based on Cal Newport's book, So Good They Can't Ignore You. Um, so check out those show notes. There's some good resources in there, and I highly recommend you go and read that BuzzFeed news article at the very least. I think it'll put this episode in context. Hopefully you guys got something out of this episode. It's one of those episodes where we don't really have like a list of like, here's exactly what will help in this situation because we don't know. You know, this is If you've solved burnout, put it in the comments or <laughs> yeah. you know, tweet us or something. I have the <laughs> ultimate solution to all burnout. Please let us know. Yeah, please let us know. We'll share it. You know, maybe but, you'll get uh, famous. Maybe this is your brand. That's true. Oh, <laughs> that's going to cause more burnout. It's, it's bad. Don't go down that road. <laughs> also, uh, collegeinfogeek.com/resources, where you can find all of our favorite apps and books, tools, things that can generally improve your life. So check that out if you're looking for something to, uh, you know, like a better backpack, or um, if you're moving to a new dorm. We have a dorm packing list. We have a list of essential books, all kinds of cool stuff like that. Last but not least, if you want to support this podcast, a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes is always appreciated. Otherwise, you can share the podcast and maybe your favorite episode with a friend, and maybe they'll become a listener as well. So I think that'll about do it. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us and listening, and we will see you in next week's episode. Stay cute.